who's going to come and testify and tell us what God's done for you in this season? Come on ahead, Helen. Hello. <laughs> it was last uh, Tuesday morning, Maureen said in, during her talk about being thankful to God for the bad things as well as the good. And it was 1999 and my daughter Joanne, she was living in Japan at the time and I thought, I need a book to read, I need something to read. So I went into the Faith Mission shop in Portadown, it was in Thomas Street then, which was looking for a needle in a haystack whenever you wanted something. But I went in and I looked around and I just I saw this name, Marilyn Carruthers, and I thought, mm, I've heard Joanne mentioning that there, I'll get, I'll get that. So I brought it home, it was called Power and Praise, and I brought it home and I started to read. And it was all sort of incidents about thanking God for the bad things that were happening. And just earlier on that year, Sam, my son, he was living in Birmingham and we were in Solihull and we had an accident. The guy behind us drove into the back of us and we were dealing with the solicitor in, in Birmingham and will you accept, you know, 50% responsibility? I said, no, I was there, I know what happened, so no, I'm not. And then she'd say, ring again, well, would you accept 30%? No. And then again, would you accept 20%? I said, no, I was there, I know what happened. And so I got this book and I thought, right, okay. Thank you, Lord, for the accident Sam and I had. Mm, right. <laughs> how, does that, how does that work now? The Bible says, so that's what I'll do. And that was on a Saturday, the following Saturday. Sam was a young driver, he was only 19. And the following Saturday, he had to pay, had to pay an excess of £450 because he was a young driver. And he phoned me the following Saturday. And he says, you'll never guess what I got in the post this morning. I said, no idea. I got a cheque for £450 and the guy's accepting 100% responsibility for the accident. And I just thought, oh my goodness. It just, and I've, I've proved it several times since, but that was just one incident. That was just absolutely mind-blowing. I just could not believe that. In one week, the whole thing just turned around completely. So just thank God for everything, good and bad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Yes, God is faithful, isn't he? Sometimes there are tests we have to go through and choosing to trust him and to give thanks rather than to be grumpy. So, um, yeah, it's a great principle in everything. That's why I'm sure the Bible says in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Anybody else now? I'd like to come up. All right, Ellen, here's your birthday lady. And most of you know me. But this time last year, I was a different person. If you remember the year and a half before that. But God always is way ahead of us. And he's ever faithful. He's my faithful one. But you know, all the things that I went through and my family went through, it was really, really hard. And I really got down to the end. And I just thought, I, I just, I'm going to die. I can't take any more. And that's not my attitude. My mother didn't have that attitude. And I didn't understand. So I said to God, is this what it's all about? I says, is this what you want? You want me to go now? I said, because I can't cope anymore. I need your help. I need your help, God. You're the God of miracles, and I am your miracle. Because God has healed me. He has done so much in my life. He just has done so much, I could never give him enough thanks. As, as it says about his word, I couldn't put enough words on pages. When my son says, don't talk to me about pages, Mom. He found all the notes when he was moving me. Because <laughs> I write everything down to give God thanks. But you know, it was hard, and I just thought I was going to die. And I said, well, God, and I, I would sit and cry and everything, and I'm not like that. And I said to him, but if it's your will, whatever. 
I says, because I just can't cope. You're my God and I'm yours. And I said, I need your help. That, that struggle had been going on so long that it just sucked all the strength and energy out of me. And I never was like to be beaten. And some people tell me that I want to be perfect, but I know I'm not far from it. But God is, God is good in everything. He knew what he was doing when I was refused the, the flat I thought was for me. All the struggle there was in what my sons went through for me was all worthwhile because God had kept the best of the last. And where I am now is where he wants me to be. There's two people in the house that I live in and they have slight dementia or Alzheimer's. And they could, you could tell them something now and they'll forget it later. But they love to hear about God. And I have told them different things and they'll say to me, we're so glad you talked to us about them things. And they just, and I chat a wee bit now and again and I tell them, and if they're feeling down, I say, Mum will sing some choruses, will they? They're just filled with joy and their faces light up. You see, I always thought, I'm not doing Sunday school. I'm not doing the Good News Club. I'm not doing the, all the talks, singing and whatever. But you see, God's telling me, this is where I want you now. And I'm hoping that I'm obeying him. But it's good to give thanks to the Lord. And yes, I'll be 80 tomorrow. And I've been so excited. I haven't been waiting all year for it. <laughs> because, as I said before, Moses got his first commission when he was 80. And, and why I've been waiting all year is to see what he has ahead for me. He may want me to dance here the next day. You know. But I want just to give him thanks for all he has done for me. Because my family, for the first time in all of our lives as a family, this is the first year they have had peace too. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Moving house is always a really difficult thing, isn't it? Uh, they say it's one of the top things, and, and uh, for Ellen to have to go through all of that turmoil last year was a big thing. But praise God, Ellen, you're through the other end, and God has you where he wants you. Thank you. I just want to honour Maureen for the mighty work that, the, that she's doing in the Lord. And you've encouraged me every time I come here with the living word of God, just with the love and the passion that flows out of you. And those faith-filled words that come out of you and hits me back there. And it just gives me strength in the Lord. And I just want to honour you because I'm on a high every time I come out of here every Tuesday. <laughs> because it carries me the, 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 the word of God that speaks right into our hearts and lives, and I'm sure we can speak for many people here in my life, that it carries me from them prayers uh, that you pray. God answers them for us in, that, in the days that lie ahead as well. And, it's, and see those living words and the, the faithful words that hits me and the presence of God and the glory of God now you have noticed it's increased in the last number of weeks. It has increased and the Lord is stretching you. And I'm telling you now that the presence and the glory will increase even more as the weeks and, and the new era the next year comes. Amen. And great fruitfulness is coming out of these meetings. And I give God all the glory for you and for what he's doing in our lives. Amen. Wow, thank you for that. It's a real encouraging word. Thank you so much. Bless you. Right, who's coming next? This is totally unplanned. We broke down last week and didn't get here in that rain, so I didn't even know those people sharing today. I have had a really horrible year, to be quite, quite honest, but I just felt I needed to come up, especially in the back of what Helen said, and still praise God, because God's still working in the back. I can't believe that this, yeah, one year ago today, our, my mother-in-law Margaret passed and went to heaven. And I can't believe it's here, and yet we've just left a huge void in all of our lives. But God's been in all of that too, and he's, um, he's really been good to the family. And if, uh, my heart goes out very much to Shermaine today, and some of you know Shermaine has really, really struggled for the past year. But God has lifted her and carried her, and she's a different person. She is more mature in Christ now than she ever was. 
and she's really learned to lean on God and it's been lovely to see that change in her and um, oh God, I, don't, I don't want to start crying I don't want to go too in personal but I do want to share one other thing is we lost that Margaret and I've had the real joy just fine night last week we have another Margaret in the extended family um, my son Nathan who's not currently worth walking with the Lord he and his um, partner are expecting their third child and the second wee boy has a lot of problems and he's got a chromosome deficiency so he's got like autistic behaviour and stuff and his third baby's due very very soon and I know Nathan is so close to coming back to God but it's always like what will the family that Shannon's in you just got to go it'll not, it'll not work <laughs> do you know what I mean um, but I've been praying for that whole family circle and Shannon's mum gave her life to the Lord two weeks ago. And I know Shannon is close as well. And I just said to her, Shannon, you know what, you're next. And I really, really believe that with all of my heart. She is so close. And she, she and Nathan both know they need God in their lives. They've got so much that they're facing. And I know God's in the middle of all of that and working. But so I really do praise God that Margaret's another Margaret has come through for the Lord. And like our other Margaret who we lost, she came to know the Lord late in life, but didn't stop her becoming a real strong woman of God. And this Margaret's the same age as me, so she's got three years to go yet. So God is faithful, God is answering prayers. As the last person, he could have knocked me over, but fell. apparently my Nathan dropped his mug of tea when he heard. Because <laughs> he just went, what? <laughs> you know, and it's a real big step for this lady. I don't want to tell you all her story. Someday maybe she'll tell you it herself here. But she's going really good on strong for the Lord just in a few weeks, and I really praise God for that. So don't give up praying for your loved ones. Uh, I just uh, really think that's a real good encouraging word for everybody who's praying for loved ones. You know that God does answer prayer. Good to see you, Roberta. Come on, you girl, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is totally winging it, all right. Um, not, not expected at all, but I just have to come up here this morning to, to honour God just and say that he's giving me back my voice. Um, I really feel um, that I'm coming out of a desert time. And I, I was just looking up the desert song there, and this basically is my story over the last few years. Um, just through some circumstances in life, I just feel the enemy has really just had a field day and just taken my voice away. And I've been in a real desert place. And I just want to thank and honour Maureen today, you know, just for just being able, you know, to come here over this season and just to just to be refreshed by God's word and his goodness and the joy of the Lord just returned to me as well. Um, but I, just a few wee um, words here. This is called the Desert Song, and it's a hill song, a worship song. This is my prayer in the desert when all that is within me feels dry. This is my prayer and my hunger in me. My God is the God who provides. This is my prayer in the fire, in weakness and trial and pain. There is a faith proved of more worth than gold, so refine me, Lord, through the flames. And Maureen was just saying, you know, what is our song of the season? And it just sums it up in the chorus. All of my life, in every season, whether it's desert, whether it's in a good place, whether it's times of refreshing or pain, all of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship you. And I just want to thank you ladies. Um, you probably don't know it, and I know a lot of you have been praying, especially for... Um, baby Zachariah. Um, baby Zachariah was born 14 months ago. Um, um, they, his mum and dad, Rick and Ruth Preston, come to Emmanuel Porter from Lurgan here. And Zachariah was born 14 months ago and he, he was born with a very complicated and complex heart condition. He was basically half a heart. His left side of his heart doesn't function at all. So he was in hospital in Birmingham again, Helen. Um, Birmingham hasn't been here for five months of his life. Um, and then came home and was in Clark Clinic then for a good wee while. Um, he was very ill, um, near death doors many times, but God um, was faithful. 
and just I just want to testify and to thank you all for praying for him. Um, he is amazing. You wouldn't think to look at him that there was anything wrong with him. He is meeting all his milestones. He is the wee boy that is just um, sent of the Lord. Um, God has given him a real heart and a real voice. He is Zachariah, Gabriel. Gabriel means um, sent as the Zachariah. And he is a sent one. He is like an archangel, I do believe. I'm prophesying over his life just now. Um, but he is sent of the Lord. Um, and I just, I just pray and encourage you to keep praying for him. He will need continued um, stage surgery through his lifetime until he's in adult life um, where he'll need a heart transplant. But um, God is good and faithful. Um, 20 years ago, there was no hope of anything for children with this condition, but um, God is good and faithful. So thank you. Bless you. Amen. Yeah, we prayed a lot for baby Zachariah at that time and we just need to press on and continue to pray. But I just couldn't help but think when you said Gabriel, you know, Gabriel came at certain specific times with messages from God. And I just would prophesy that Gabriel will be, will be a man who will carry the word of God and will be used mightily in specific situations. So we just declare that over his life. And thank you, uh, Roberta. Okay, so we're still okay for another 15 minutes. I would just also like, like the others, to say thanks to Maureen for uh, teaching us so faithfully in the Word of God and just for having a heart and a passion to see us growing as ladies individually and corporately within the group. And especially this season for teaching us on um, the story of David. David was a man after God's own heart and um, this term has been wonderful. And... Um, we all know the story from childhood probably that David had to defeat Goliath and Goliath was his giant and he was huge in stature and sometimes our giants might be, it might be loss or it might be illness or disappointment or discouragement or hopelessness or depression and so many different things can be the giants in our lives and the giant in my life this year was having to face open heart surgery in April 19th and all the events that uh, ran up to that. And although this was a congenital heart fault, it's called an atrial septal defect, which is really a huge hole I had, was five centimetres by three and a half centimetres. And um, although I was in the Royal Victoria Hospital as a child, they had thought that this had rectified itself, but in fact it hadn't. And when they did various tests, they realised that this was actually an enormous hole. And um, all of the run-up to that, I had to get a lot of investigations done. And God was with me even in that time because one day when I was going out of church, um, I was, Barbara Legg was asking me, was there any word of a date from the surgery? And uh, I had said no, that I had various tests that I had to wait for, and one of them was an MRI, and the waiting list was 10 months. And she said to me, why don't you put yourself on the cancellation list? And I thought, yes, I must just do that. Sometimes the things that people say to us um, are a prompt from God. And I, I phoned the next day and I spoke to a very efficient girl in the administration in the Matter Hospital where I would have to go for the cardiac MRI. And I explained to her that, um, you know, I gave her my hospital number and said, you know, I was on a waiting list for this. And she said, you're not due to get that test until June. So it would have been some time after that before they could have done surgery. But I gave her my details and I said to her, if there is a cancellation, would you please phone and let me know? And if I'm in the countryside, make sure I'm there. Because she said they only do two of those particular MRIs for congenital patients a week on a Monday afternoon. And I actually um, prayed and I said, Lord, you know, I just pray that there will be a way for me to get a cancellation but please don't let it disadvantage another patient. In other words, I hope it will not be from another person's um, poor circumstances that they won't be able to get their own appointment. On the very next afternoon, uh, my phone went and it was from that girl rushing in the Matter Hospital and she said, I've been speaking to the consultant and we have a list on this Saturday and I'm allowed to add a congenital patient on it. Can you come to the Matter Hospital on Saturday at two o'clock? And even though that might seem like a small thing over an appointment, it really was a miracle, to be honest. 
uh, just that that even happened and um, just to encourage you to um, you know bring even the simple things to God and uh, you know it's amazing how he made a way in that and Maureen was talking last week about Psalm 139 and you know I believe that God knows all the days of our, our lives just as it says in Psalm 139 and he knew that at this season I would have to go through this surgery and although yes we we do pray for healing we do believe God can heal I also believe that God wants us to walk our path of faith through sometimes the difficulties and I believe this is the way it was for me and um, even the night before my surgery I was going for my operation at half seven on a Thursday morning and on the Wednesday night um, the surgeon said to my husband and I he said actually this hole is so huge that um, he said I will have to see how stable Catherine is in surgery because if I close the hole completely that you know my, he felt that my blood vessels were likely to collapse and my right ventricle could collapse and that would have, wouldn't have been reversible because the sudden change in pressure after 50 years with my heart having to cope with this fault could have actually been detrimental and we got people to pray specifically for that those things that my blood vessels would be stable and that i would be stable through the surgery and the surgeon had said to my husband i will only come out and speak to you if there's been a problem otherwise i'll, I'll send one of my registrars out of the out of the theater and when my husband was walking up and down the corridor praying in cardiac intensive care and when he looked up the corridor he saw the surgeon mr austin himself walking towards him and he wasn't just too happy to see him at that point because he was anticipating there might be a problem. But he actually said to my husband, he said, um, things have went smoother than we expected. He said, Catherine has been stable and I've been able to close the hole completely. And he actually, before he got me closed up, he could see that the right side of my heart, which it was very enlarged because of the immense backflow of blood that it was dealing with, had started to reduce in size. As soon as he closed the hole in front of his eyes, he could see it starting to reduce in size before he even closed me up. And he said the way my heart was tilted meant it was easier for him to get at the heart to repair it. And there were actually flaps of tissue there for him to stitch. I didn't intend to tell you that amount of detail, but sorry. But it was just incredible, you know, in the detail, God was in the detail. And, um, you know, the next day after the surgery and when I was in intensive care and I was very sore, and um, Mr. Austin came around and he had he told me beforehand, very honestly, that um, well, when I'd been operated on, he said to me, you'll feel like you've been run over by a truck. And he said, you'll feel worse before you feel better for some time. And when he came round the next evening and I said, I mustn't have lost my sense of humour, I said to him, Mr. Austin, um, you were right about the truck and it was a big truck. <laughs> and I also said to him, I, I said to him, but he, he said to me, I'm very, surprised and pleased how well your surgery went he, he actually was surprised that i wasn't stable he didn't expect the result to be as good and i said to him mr austin i just would like to tell you that we had friends in australia china canada the uk and ireland praying for me and i said to him but they were also praying for you and he just looked at me and smiled because god's hand was upon the surgeon on me and he said doesn't i really believe that and even whenever i was coming around from the surgery that evening I don't remember this, but I was, you know, gagging to try and get the tube out in the, in the um, intensive care, obviously, whenever they're trying to bring you around off the ventilator. And I don't remember anything about this, but Stephen says when I regained consciousness, the tube is still in and I couldn't talk. So I'm sure that was a novelty for everybody. But he, he said that you were pointing up to, to heaven. He said, first of all, I give him the thumb up. And then he said, I, I looked and I point up to heaven and I gave him the two thumbs up, <laughs> pointing up to God and giving him the thumbs up. And he said, whenever the chief came out, I just repeatedly kept saying to him, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> so this is whatever I was saying whenever I was coming around um, from the surgery. I don't even remember. I just the last thing I can, you know, don't remember that at all. But he said, I said, rejoice in the Lord always, night night, rejoice in the Lord always. And I just, you know, want to, just want to testify that, even when we're going through the difficult things that are our giants, that um, even though sometimes we would like God to make things simple for us, he's there in the difficult times. And um, all our battles as the children of God are, are spiritual battles. And we need to remember that and trust God in prayer. And other people prayed, and I'm so grateful to you ladies also for praying in the prayer meeting for me. 
and I just feel that my, my walk of faith has just been trusting him through this and he has really been very faithful. I'm still sore, I'm still recovering, it's, it's a, a very slow process. But I just think in everything God wants us to trust him. He wants us to fear him and honour him and you know, he also wants us to glorify him by fulfilling our purposes in God in our lives. And I was reading in Psalm 51 this morning, verse 10, and you'll know it well, you know, where David writes, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And as I was just contemplating this morning, the surgeon, Mr. Austin, has fixed my physical heart now, and it's my sternum and everything is still healing. But I just miss my own prayer that God will also just keep working and, and cultivating and fixing my spiritual heart, and that he will create in me a clean heart. And in your right spirit within me. Thanks for your support, ladies. Thank you, Catherine. That was, that was just a strong testimony to God's goodness, and I love the words in the detail. God is in the detail, isn't he? Okay, we have time for one more. Um, I had absolutely no intention of doing this either, as some of the other girls. I would love to thank Maureen for her word and how we're blessed every week and how God uses her and how she works so hard at it, it just doesn't happen. She's just daily and constantly um, speaking to God and listening for him and she's just amazing. But what I want to say is when I was coming in this morning, there were two young men outside, outside was Iceland and I could see just right where I parked, they were quite close, they were doing drugs and um, it just was so obvious and they were not hiding it or anything and they were passing this little thing between them. So of course, me being me, I had to say something. So I said to them, boys, you know, you're ruining your lives. And um, they didn't tell me to clear off or anything, it was what I expected them to do. And I said, you know, God will bless you if you can walk away from that, I said you definitely, your life will be ruined if you continue in that. So one of them spoke around and he said, well, look, I'm off everything except weed. And I said, well, that's good. I said, but you really must try to walk away from it all. So I'd like to ask you to pray for those two young men. They moved down the building on down. And um, I'll get Stephen, my son-in-law, <laughs> tell him about it. He does a wonderful work with young folks in this church, as so many other people do. And it's the youth that really need God. And I just would ask you to pray for those two young men who really, really need God. Thank you, Alex. has a real mother heart. Wow, amazing what God's doing, isn't it? We're, we're, we're here every week and we don't realise what's going on in each other's lives. We don't realise the dramas that are going on behind closed doors. And we're going to finish off, I'm going to be very, very quick, but I just need, because it's ten past twelve, but that was all so good to hear that. We're just going to kind of wind up um, with a few thoughts about Jesus, about seeing Jesus uh, at this time of the year that he's the king. We've been looking at, at Saul being the first king of Israel and we've been looking at how David was going to be the next king of Israel. But from the very beginning in September, if you remember, I said it was more important that we'd look at King Jesus. It, was, it would be more important that we would see the king of kings, but we can learn from these other kings as well. So I'm going to, going to read just a few verses. First uh, Samuel 24, and we're just going to read those first four verses. And we're just going to just have a wee quick study on this today. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. You'll remember that David was being chased by Saul because Saul hated him. And Saul had turned away from God, but David was clinging on to God. It says, Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, and he went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. That says everything about where David was, about where he was actually living at that time. The rocks of the wild goats. Know where it is really well. It's round in Getty. We were there this last couple of years. And uh, when we went up onto those rocks, just quite near Masada, near the Dead Sea, the first thing we saw was little animals, like little goats or little um, deer, just there to be seen, all 
prancing around the place. So it hasn't really changed that much. It says, so we came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. Around that whole area, it's full of caves. You can just imagine, we, we climbed up and there was waterfalls, the waterfalls of Ungeri, and it was just as it would have been in David's time. You can see the caves all over the place. And it says that it came to where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend to his needs. Now, in, in a very polite way, we know what that means. It means you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> all right? Uh, and his men were staying in the recess, and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So here's the picture. Saul's coming down to try and catch David with the intention of killing him. He comes down to En Gedi, where David is hiding out, and he goes to the very same cave. Don't you, can't you see God's sense of humour? Where he actually goes into the very same cave where David is. Only David and his men are at the back of the cave. Can you get the picture? Isn't it amazing how sometimes in life we, we maybe come to a certain situation and we don't realise that God has set, set us up really? Uh, we can go to the very, the very place where we never would realise the destiny that's in that place. Saul had no idea that whenever he went in to go to use the loo, that he was actually going in to have an experience that God was going to deal with him. And sometimes for you and me that's the way it is, isn't it? It says, then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as seems good to you. And so David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So David's men are saying, look, God's brought him right into the, there, you can destroy him. And so David creeps up and takes the corner of his robe and cuts off the corner of his robe. Now it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Let me just explain to you, and you'll see in your notes that I've explained to you, that the robe that Saul would have been wearing was a robe called a tallit. It, would, it later became known as a tallit. It later became known formally as a prayer shawl. And basically in the book of Numbers, uh, and we're going to just take one quick moment to look at Numbers 15. We're going to see that God had given instructions in the law that all the males of Israel should wear this particular type of a coat. It says, speak to the children of Israel, verse 38. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, that you may not follow the harlotry or the evil ways to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined to go. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So God had given this instruction that all the males should have this particular garment, overgarment on them, and on the corners there would be these tassels. And the tassels later became known as the seat seat. That's how you pronounce it, seat seat. It's pronounced seat seat. And these were the long tassels or fringes, if you like. And they were to remind each Jewish man of God's law, and they were actually tied into a particular way to resemble, I haven't got time to look to tell you the way the knots were and how what they all stood for. It was quite fascinating that these knots, uh, there were three, 613 to remind them of the 1613 rules or laws that they reckoned that came from the law of Moses. Now it's interesting that these tassels or fringes were in the four corners and they were to represent and remind the people of Israel about God's law. The word for law is in Hebrew is halakha, which literally means to walk. So God's law, is, it means the way that God wants us to walk out the principles that he has for us because he knows best for us. He knows the right way for us to live. And so the, the law, God's law, Jesus said, was summed up in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And so God knows that his law is actually, everything's combined in that. And he knows that that's the best way for us to live. That was why it was so, so crucial that Dorothy was able to release and forgive because we're forgiven that we might forgive, we might have that relationship with God and with each other and with ourselves, I might add that we might learn to love ourselves in a godly way and to know that God loves us and that we love him and we are valued in return. 
The interesting thing about this prayer shawl was that it continued, became a formal uh, garment. And even today, you can see the Jewish men, uh, particularly around the, the, um, the Western Wall in, Israel, in Jerusalem, where they will pray like this. The Jews pray in a swinging movement and rhythm to God. And you'll see them with these garments. And often you'll see them pulling the tallit over their head. Remember when Jesus said, when you go into your closet, well, this is a way, if you haven't got a building, this is a way to go into your closet, pull the shawl, the shawl, my mouth's all getting all tangled up this morning, pull the prayer shawl over your head. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a lady called Susanna Wesley. She had all those sons. Remember Charles and Wesley? Charles set the, the, the country nations preaching and Wesley had them, well, all the way around, Charles had them singing and Wesley had them preaching. And this woman, every morning, apparently, used to sit and put her apron over her head and pray to God. And the children, I think they had a big family, was there 10 or something of them? I can't remember. How many? 17, was it? I remember there's a lot. 17 children, can you imagine? And she's sitting with the apron over her head like a prayer shawl. And all those children knew not to disturb her when she was having her time with God. Can you see the power of prayer, ladies? Can you see the outcome of that woman's prayer, Susanna Wesley, praying with an apron over her head? And look at the impact it had on the world and even still today when you see the outcome of those prayers. Please be encouraged to pray. Please be encouraged to get alone with God. And this prayer shawl was a kind of a way of where they could put it over their head and it became a closet. It became a private place to pray. Also, the prayer shawl, I am flying through this because I really want to get you home, but I have to get to the important bit. The, the, the prayer shawl also, in those biblical days, they believed that the, the, prayer, the, the outer garment, that the longer it was, the outer garment, the, the tallit, was actually known as, uh, let me just give you the word of it because I've skipped over the most important bit. The Hebrew for that, uh, the hem or the corner that was cut off, literally means the wing, the corner or the hem. All right, so the hem or the corner or the extreme end of it, the wing of it, was all called by the same word, the kanaf, which literally means the, the wing, the corner, or the hem. So when Saul cut off the corner, he was cutting off something that was called the kanaf. I'm beginning to get excited here now, so I have to calm myself down. Um, and the, this, this hem of the garment, the longer it was in biblical times, the more it was considered the sign of authority or power resting in the length of the hem of their gar garment. And actually royalty considered and people considered that the extension of their long robe was like the, the, their royal essence. It was the essence of their authority and their power. Right, have you got that? I just want to lay that foundation for what I want to see. What, what I want to say. Because when David cut the corner of Saul's garment, he was doing more than just taking a bit of material off. Actually, in the, because of the symbolic meaning of the corner of the robe, because of the religious significance, because of the spiritual significance, when he cut the corner off, it was as if David was saying that he was cutting off the very thing that symbolized God's authority and God's protection. In other words, it was almost like David was saying when he cut off this corner, God's taken his hands off you now, Saul. You, God, you, God has no more authority on your kingship. And that's why that David was so repentant because he realized that Saul was still God's anointed and that he had no right to go putting his finger on anything that God was doing. And you know, I read somewhere this week that the enemy will give us a corner of the garment opportunities. Opportunities where we can do something instead of letting God do it. Where we can run ahead of God and we can cut off, all, and it is, as it were, we can cut off corners. We sometimes say that actually, don't we? We can cut corners sometimes spiritually. And God wants us to leave things to him and to trust him to make a way. And yes, there are times when he prompts us to act but not on our own flesh. And David realised in this moment that actually he was acting in his flesh and he shouldn't have done it, and he was repentant. I just want to say a couple of things real, real quick, and then we're going to just wind up, because I know our time is almost gone. We're looking at two kings. One was very imperfect. Saul, was, he was coming with meanness. He was coming with murder in his heart, hatred and jealousy against David. And we certainly don't want to be like him. David was a man who had a heart after God, 
He loved the Lord, but yet he was human. And we're going to, we see even there, he, 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 he took a step and he did something that he, he was sorry. He had to ask God to forgive him. He was sorry about but now we're going to look at this king and this is Christmas time and we've got to leave with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus because we're not looking at King Saul and we're not looking at King David. We're looking at King Jesus. And our eyes want to look up to him this morning before we finish. And we want to remind ourselves that he is the one who came and he is the one who has kept the law fully. And you know, we sometimes forget that as a man that Jesus would have worn the tallit, the outer garment. And I just wanted to finish with this uh, for you. I wanted to read a couple of verses in, in, in um, Psalm 40 because David later had a prophetic word given to him from the Holy Spirit. And the prophetic word was about one of his descendants, Jesus, the greater David, who would come. And here's the prophetic word that was given over Jesus. And David wrote it. Let's read it in Psalm 40, 6 to 8. And then we're going to just wind up very quickly. Here's what David wrote. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed him about the Messiah. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Mine ears have you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. So all the Old Testament suffering uh, uh, sacrifices and all of those bulls and goats and all of that, they were not enough to forgive us our sins. And here's the verse I really wanted to say to you. Here's the prophetic word about Messiah. Then I said, this is Jesus saying, Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is written within my heart. This is a prophetic word about Jesus coming as Messiah. And he's coming and he's saying, David is prophesying that, that when Jesus, when the Messiah would come, he would fulfill the scroll of the book, the Old Testament scriptures. That he would come to fulfill all that the prophets had written about him. And that he would come, and yes, he'd be wearing the tallit, but the law symbolised in the four corners that could never be kept by Saul and could never be kept by David. And you and I could never keep. That he would come, and as the king of kings, the coming as a baby, he would come to this world and he would keep the law. As he wore the tallit, he kept the law symbolised by the four corners. He was perfect. He was the only perfect person who ever lived. And he came in a special body. He came in a special body. And I haven't read the bit about the body. Where is it that I have? Um, a body hast thou prepared me. Where is that? How have I skipped that? A body hast thou prepared me. No, no, it's in the psalm. Never mind. Um, sacrificing. Um, do you know, I can't see exactly where that is, but it talks about the body. In fact, it, it, the same passage is referred to in Hebrews, and it talks about the body being prepared for him. Because I wanted to point out to you that Jesus came in a body, a special body. He didn't just come in a, an ordinary human body. He came in a body that was prepared for him. He came in a body that was a perfect body. He came in a body that was prepared for him. And that body was sinless and perfect. It wasn't like Saul. It wasn't like David. It had no sin. And he came and he lived a perfect life. He wore the tallit. He kept, he kept the law uh, that was symbolised by the four corners, by these long fringes. Now I want to give you one more um, reference to an, an Old Testament uh, prophecy. Uh, and the prophecy is found, and I'm not going to read it because I haven't time, but it's found in Malachi. And if you were to read this, this, uh, this prophecy, you would see that it was prophesied at the end of the Old Testament, in the last chapter of the book of Malachi, that Jesus the Messiah would come, and he would come as the son of righteousness, listen to it, with healing in his wings. What did we say the meaning of the tallit or the tzitzit, the tassels were? The meaning was corners, hems, or wings. Now you remember the wee lady who came running to Jesus who had been sick for all those years? Why did she run to touch the tassels? 
because she knew the Old Testament scriptures. And you know, if you look into it, you will see that lots of the Jews were looking to see when Messiah would come. They knew from Malachi's prophecy that there was going to be something special about his talit. That's why that woman made it her business to get to the hem of the garment of Jesus, properly translated the, the seat seat or the talit, where she touched the corner of his garment and was made whole. Do you know, we have a glorious, amazing, wonderful God. We haven't to finish. I've got a note from Jane here. I'm running on too late. We're about to finish. I just want to finish up by saying that... Oh, hold on. What do I say? Hebrews 10 and 5. <laughs> Thank you, somebody, whoever that is. I'm, was it you? <laughs> 10 and 5. Here we are. The quote from Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. But I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God. This is a prophetic word of Jesus saying, I've come to do your will. I've come to fulfill all the law. I've come to fulfill the talit. I've come in a body that, that's been prepared for me that I can be a sinless and sac- a sinless and spotless sacrifice for every one of you. And not only that, not only to die for your sins, but the power of his resurrection that his spirit can come into you and change your body to give you a new creation, a new body that you might live for him in a supernatural way from now and the rest of your life. And that you can serve him in eternity, that you can be part of his kingdom. I just have to say, this is a bit jumbled because I really want to give all of you as much time as possible. Thank you, Jane, my right-hand woman, for bringing that reference. That's exactly the reference I was looking for. But I just wanted to say to you this morning that we need to keep our eyes on this king. You see, when you keep your eyes on him, you know what happens? You begin to change. It, we've been in our church, and I'm really I'm going to finish with this. In our church now, for for months, we have been speaking every Sunday night about uh, about unveiling the face of Jesus, about unveiling His glory, and about allowing ourselves to be changed. I want to read this verse to you, and then we're going to finish. Okay? It says, "Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When we turn to Him, everything that blinds us is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit." And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But, this is the verse, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I wanted to finish with you here today with this thought. Jesus came. Listen, he was a Jewish man. He wore the Jewish salute. It was the Old Testament, Numbers 15, that was the law, that the Jewish man should wear this to remind themselves to try and keep the law. Jesus came as a Jewish man. He fulfilled Numbers 15. He wore the tallit with the tassels and the fringes on each corner. And you know what? He walked out the law as a perfect man so that you and I would be free because we can never be perfect, that we would stop trying to be perfect because he has been made perfect for you. In his perfectness, you are made perfect. You stand in him. He's the perfect man. The blue was in between these tassels. I'd love to have a bit more time to talk to you about the tassels. Maybe it's in January. The tassels, they were part of them was blue to remind us of the heavenly man, of the royal king of kings. And we are in Christ. And he is in us. And this is the life that God wants us to have. And when I hear your testimonies and I see what God's doing in your lives, I see that God is so wanting to, 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 to really live in you and work through you more and more and more. And he has destiny for every single one. And he want, all he wants you to do is keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the king of kings. Remember who he is. One thought. Uh, there are many one thoughts I've had, but one thought. <laughs> Last, I think it was a Wednesday before last, we were at the prayer meeting in Portadown and Dave Wiley was there and he's a science teacher. And he said, you know, he had been thinking about how Jesus came as a baby. And this time of the year, we, we think so often about it, the wonder of Jesus coming as a baby. But he said, you know, as a science teacher, he knows that a baby starts with one cell. And he said, have you ever thought about the wonder that the God of heaven, who made this universe, 
Lord himself to warm himself. That's the God we have. Allowed himself to develop, to be developed in the womb of Mary and to come forth as a son of God and to walk a perfect life and to go to the cross knowing, knowing that he was going to die for you. Knowing that because he would die, that you would be with him. That's why Hebrews 12 says that he endured the cross, despising the shame. What for? For the joy that was set before him. That's you. That's you. And he wears the pelit for you. You're just inside him. You just go in his righteousness and you can just keep that flowing, keep that forgiveness flowing and just walk in the light and keep living for him and keep allowing his Holy Spirit to flow through you. Because do you know what? You belong to the King of Kings and you do not belong to this kingdom. You belong to another kingdom and God has a plan and a purpose for you. And as we get ready to face 2019, let's do it with our heads held high, knowing that with God nothing is impossible. That our God is King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he loves us and he wants us to love him back and to live in his light and for his purposes. You know, as we think of Jesus coming as a baby, we've got to remind ourselves he's coming back, but this time he's coming back as King. And he's coming back in his glory. And if you think of how the garment, the outer garment, the length of it was a symbol of of the authority and the power. You've got to remember Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 where Isaiah had the vision of the Lord in his temple and the train filled the temple. That's because of who he is. That's because of his power and his authority. Bulging out to the temple. The mighty one, the one who loved us. You know this, he came as a baby and he's coming back as king. And maybe very soon he's going to burst through the clouds. And maybe he'll adapt to lead on him on the white horse, dipped in blood, and his name is written on his thigh, which is interesting because that's the lower part. I wonder, is it, is it, is it on the tallit, on the, on the fringes where it's written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's who he is. That's who is running your life. That's who is alive in you through his spirit. And that's the one who is the plan written down in the book, the scroll of the book that he fulfilled, the scroll for you as well. Go out and live it in Jesus' name, and we'll see you in the end.